You are listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I am your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, and my goal is to empower you to become the alpha of your health. So today I am so excited to welcome you guys back to the show. I always look forward to Wednesdays. I always look forward to putting out this awesome content for you guys. I always have so much fun putting these together. And I have to say, I have been so enjoying these interviews that I've been doing. These interviews are great because not only am I helping to give you guys this information, but I have been learning a lot. And it's so great because I really do think that we are always students. We are, we always should be learning. That is a huge passion of mine. I'm always reading literature. I'm always reading books. I'm always watching webinars. And I also love learning from my colleagues and I love learning from people who I look up to and who are really doing great work in this world. And um, so it's been a lot of fun for me. So I hope that you guys have been enjoying some of the guests. I, uh, I'm still going to have, you know, the single podcast sprinkled in here and there, but the guests are so fun because they really are all things that they really, they really are so great because they so vibe with what I'm trying to share with optimal health, healing, non-toxic living, longevity, optimal health, holistic healing, all that kind of stuff. But they come at it from different perspectives. Maybe they tell their story and they just can share so much and bring so much to the table. And I really think that that's how we get better. And today's guest absolutely helps do that. And it really paints such a picture of optimal health and what, what the body truly can do and how the body truly can heal. Um, I am just so, so, so excited to bring you guys. Um, my guest today, we are, uh, we connected on Instagram back. When did we, when did we connect on Instagram? Um, probably it was like last year and I seriously learned, learned so much from her. I just, I adore her. She is such a great friend. She's also a fellow Enneagram. Um, she is a board certified integrative health practitioner. She is seriously just such an incredible wealth of knowledge. She has her own podcast called Taylor Talks. My guest today is Taylor Sappington. She is seriously amazing. When you guys hear her story, you are going to be blown away and in such incredible awe of what she was able to accomplish. And her journey started really from her childhood. And we really go through what that was like for her. We go through how, what happened in her childhood, um, really impacted her as an adult and how she kind of dug herself into a deeper hole, but then how she was really able to get herself out of this hole and really able to achieve optimal health. And now I look at her and I'm just like, wow, she is just seriously, she is health. Like she really was able to come out of so much and she works with so many people to be able to do the same thing. And I just really adore her. And you can definitely, You'll probably be able to tell how well we get along because um, we are both Enneagram 8s and we talk a little bit about that. And if you're not really familiar with Enneagram, it's it's a little bit different than just a personality test because it do- not only shows like what your personality is, but it shows why your personality is like that. Supposedly, we all kind of had had this this event in our life that really made us who we are. And so there's nine different types of Enneagrams. I am an Enneagram 8 and so is Taylor and... Um, We are typically known as being very passionate, loud, um, advocating for others, you know, very like intense personalities. We, that kind of, you can look at that in a bad or negative light. I tend to look at it in a a positive light because I assume, and I attribute to my my intensity towards passion. And I know that you'll be able to see that come through in Taylor's voice and I can hear it 
when I'm listening to her stories, when I'm listening to her podcasts, I, and I kind of feel like that's how you feel me. Um, it's just very cool. The Enneagram is such a cool thing. And it's so cool how, you know, we can admire these things in each other. And we were joking before we went live and we were like, you know, everybody always thinks that we're yelling and it's like, we're not yelling. You'll know when we're yelling, (laughs) we're just really passionate people. And we're just, we tend tend to have more like intense personalities because of our passion, but it just was such a great conversation. You guys, we could have recorded this for three hours and she's definitely somebody that I never get sick talking to. I'm seriously so happy that we connected and we've really built such a great friendship online. And like I said, I learned so much from her whenever Whenever we chat, we go back and forth and we talk a lot. And I learned so much from her in this podcast. Um, so definitely make sure that you guys check her out on social media. Check out her website. I'm going to have all those things in the show notes. Um, you can check out her podcast because if you guys really like people who are passionate about health, preaching free information like I do in my podcast, you're definitely going to want to look at her podcast as well. Um, but without further ado, you guys, I am so excited to share this interview and uh and I know that you guys are going to love it. So enjoy. All right, you guys. So I have my friend Taylor here today. We're going to be diving into all the different things. Taylor, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This conversation has been a long time coming. I know. And we were literally just spent almost an hour not (laughs) recording. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this is totally a long time coming. You are someone I connected with immediately because you're also an Enneagram 8. Mm -hmm. So we just get each other. And there's, we need people like that because a lot of people mistake Enneagram eights for being aggressive Mm -hmm. and confrontational. (laughs) We're really just passionate guys. And if we care, you're going to know that we care. So it's always nice to connect with somebody who's like, I see you. And you don't even have to explain it. No, just like, I see you. I know. And I feel it like with the prevention pharmacist too. Like when I listen to her stories, people, like people might take us as like, oh my gosh, they're a lot. And I'm like, no, we just really, really, really care. <laughs> like You're going to find an advocate in us. So yeah. if you can't advocate for yourself, we're going to advocate for you. If there's something that needs to be spoken about from a perspective of needing justice brought to it, yep. you're going to find us there. So all of the, all of the controversy y'all that could potentially be, be discussed is very comfortably discussed with us. Yeah. I, just, so. I don't, I don't think of it as like bitchy confrontation. I think of it as like, this, this is what I'm feeling. Like, here we are. And it's yeah. just so funny, like how I've seen the Enneagram play out in our relationships. Cause my, my husband's a nine and mm-hmm. like, they're very like no conflict, like everybody's peace. So it's like, I get going on something I'm passionate about. And he's like, Oh my gosh, stop yelling. It's making me uncomfortable. I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 we're not yelling. Like you will know when I'm yelling. Yes. 100%. <laughs> but it's yeah. just so funny. It's just like the Enneagram is great. Like I totally, mm-hmm. we could do a whole podcast on just our Enneagram, but it's just, yeah. it's just so crazy. Cause it really does bring people together. Well, and I think one of our strengths personally is our ability to remove emotion from really important conversations. Now that does not mean that we're not emotional. I'm actually quite sensitive and people would never take that about me. They never look at me and be like, oh, she's a delicate flower. You definitely need to be mindful with how you approach her. Right. I really appreciate somebody who's blunt and to the point because beating around the bush drives me insane. I'm like, yep. just spit it out. Like, let's have a conversation about it. Yeah. But that's one of our strengths, being able to show up to a conversation and talk about things without this emotional influence. Right. And that's how things change, being able to remove emotion and add the element of perspective in order to have the important conversations so we can move forward. Emotion keeps us stuck. 
It's and repeating patterns and conversations and trends and acknowledging the emotion is important, but removing it so that you can have that conversation to move forward, regardless of what the topic is, is so critical to evolution. Oh, totally. And, and I think that that's why you do such a good job at what you do, because you bring so many important conversations to the table, like the one that we're going to be having today. And yeah. you know, it's, it's not like we're looking at it from a point where it's like, oh my gosh, this is kind of, it's like, no, like these are today, we're going to have a conversation that in my opinion is super important. And we're mm-hmm. going to, and it's like you said, the more that we do it and we take the emotion and the rage and the feelings around it. And we just get right to the point and we just say, Hey, this is what happened. And here we are. And like, here's, here's your journey now. Um, I think that's super, super important. This is like, it's probably a terrible comparison to make, but it's one that I'm going to make when you buy new clothes and you're you're like, you're used to wearing like a large, I'm this person. I oftentimes buy sizes too large subconsciously because I like big and baggy and it's comfortable And then I'll get the small t-shirt and I'll be super uncomfortable in the small t-shirt until I've worn it a few times. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I like the way that it lays here. And I like the way that it fits here. It's the same thing with these quote unquote controversial topics, right? Mm -hmm. The more we come to accepting that they need to be had without injecting that emotion, the more commonplace they'll become. So these are not common and they need to be made normal. These are the conversations that we need to normalize because how boring would it be if we all showed up to the table, we thought the same, we said the same things, we did things the same way. Like that's just not what we're here to do. We're all here to add something. We're all here to add texture to the conversation. I I love that. And I think that I even sometimes can be guilty of that to, to not have this conversation with people who I know don't think the same as me, because I just don't want to sometimes, I just don't want to go there, you know, right. I don't feel, and I, cause I don't want to make, yeah, I don't want to make it an argument or, you know, I, I don't like fighting. I just don't. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's really important though, because that's really how we grow. Like I, instead of just surrounding my circle with people who literally think the exact same thing as me on everything, yep. I think it's good to just, I follow different people who I'm like, Oh, you know, I never thought of that. Or a, instead of seeing a post that might challenge my beliefs a little mm-hmm. bit to be like, and being triggered, I'm like, you know what, that's a really good way to think about that. You know, yeah. I, taking, taking the emotion out of it and just being able to be uncomfortable or be comfortable with different being uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think with that being said, let's kind of talk about, let's just talk about your journey and kind of where you started and like how you kind of are where you are now working how you are with, you know, all the patient or the clients that you work with. And no, just I can't the work use that, that dang word anymore. We talked about scope. I know. We can go back to scope if we want, but I know I caught myself, <laughs> you know, guys, just so you all know, if you don't have an active license, you're not able to call people in your care patients. They are now called clients, which I'm cool with because clients in the care of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And even my remote, so, my remote clients, they're clients because like we don't have like I can't use my license on them. Right. So I totally get what you're saying. It's these stupid rules that we have to follow. Well, there's that scope we talked about earlier where a lot of people question whether or not I'm a licensed practitioner. And I very proudly say no, because it was a very strategic decision on my behalf and part to move forward in my practice, not tied down to certain scopes of practice and certain regulations. I didn't like having a gag order. So when I move into working with somebody in 
the space of integrative health, I now have the autonomy in thought and in application and in perspective and interpretation that I would not have had had I chosen to continue to engage in licensure. So it was really important for me personally as a practitioner to go, what's going to give me more freedom? Enneagram eights like their freedom too. They don't like being told what to do. No. And for me being told what to do or having somebody look over my back as if I wasn't doing something quote unquote, right. I didn't like that. So I was like, this is a conscious decision. I'm moving on. We're not doing this. So But in regards to my personal story, you and I were talking about this a lot. It's very easy to assume that your health-based issues are presenting based on your last six months, a year, two years, five years, when in reality, we have to be able to apply the perspective of your childhood and infancy too. Even pre-delivery, what did mom do? How did she eat? What was she exposed to? What we've come to find at least today is that most babies come out of the womb like chemically laden with over 240 toxins, 30 of which, or maybe it's 212 of which were outlawed over 30 years ago. Like DDT is a good example of this. So you taking the body burden into perspective of infancy is really important. So if I look back and I look at my mom and dad, they were doing the best they could with what they had, but they certainly didn't have the knowledge base or access to information that we have today. And as an infant within her first six weeks of life, I got the regular immunizations and I had a severe reaction to DTaP. And so many people always go, well, how was that for you? Well, first and foremost, I was six weeks old. Like I have no idea, but you can sit my mom down and her experience comes through very clearly. And it was traumatic. You know, you have this new baby at home that you're trying to adjust being a parent to. And then you go in for a routine visit and you get this routine procedure because the application of vaccinations is considered a routine procedure you know, and then you're sent home and your baby has wailing screams and swelling of the injection site and react um, like um, hives, you know what I mean? Or skin rash and seizures. I mean, like it just kept mounting, you know, the symptoms just kept presenting themselves and it was everything, including and up to death. Clearly I'm still here today, but my mom was like, you literally became a walking billboard for adverse reactions, according to the drug insert, which I wasn't aware that I needed to read and ask questions about. Nonetheless, this was 1986 when they were also in the process of establishing law that relinquished the responsibility of manufacturers, you know, in the production of these vaccines so that if there was an adverse reaction up to and including death, they weren't responsible. You couldn't legally pursue action with them which I hope people hearing that for the first time, take a minute to chew on it. Yeah. Because the fact that you have a manufacturer of something that isn't legally liable for injury that it could potentially cause and informed consent is grossly lacking in most situations. That's a problem. Do we see a conflict of interest here? Right. So, I mean, I was vaccine injured and I have no problem saying that I was vaccine injured and I'll be the first person to say that I was very pro-vaccine for a very long time because I didn't know any better. 
And then when I started to do my own personal research as to why my body was seemingly falling apart, the wheels on the bus were falling off. Was this as you were like growing into teen and adulthood that you're so talking about? So it's interesting because as a child, I had a lot of strep throat, ear infections, sinus infections, thrush, you know, that were perpetually treated with antibiotics. You know, I had my doctor, my pediatrician from way back when I had them send me my patient file from when I was a kid and like sitting down and reading through it blew my mind. I was like, no one knowing what I know now, I was like, no wonder I was so sick for so long because my immune system was just constantly assaulted. One thing after the other, I also didn't breastfeed. Apparently I didn't take the boob. I mean, I'll say it. Apparently I I didn't take it. My mom was like, I had to bottle feed you and find a special formula. So I look at all that and I go, that was the foundation I had to rely on. Meaning the pillars of my house were very, very unstable. So through my childhood, I had a lot of presentation of what we would call disease, you know, with the strep and the thrush and the colic. And then as I moved into my adolescent and teen years, I had a lot of bowel-based and mood-based dysregulation, Mm -hmm. but you don't know where to look for that. And I I think you compartmentalize it as a kid too. You're just like, well, whatever, this is normal. And I'm 13, 14, 15. And you're not taught to like, look at your bowel movements, assess what you're eating, look at your sleep-based patterns. Are you using bath and body works? I mean, we've all been there at some point, <laughs> like the glittery lotion, you know, and the wet and wild makeup that you could buy at Walmart when you're like 16, been there, done that, right? I know. I literally think about all this. I'm like, oh, totally could have contributed to my cystic acne as a yes. high schooler. Totally. Yeah. You know, and then like, the Clinique. Are you, do you remember Clinique? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like the, the Clinique line that I used to wash my face. I'm like, oh my God, I was just bathing I in was toxins. So toxic. And I didn't even know it because that's what my mom used. Yeah. 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 You know? So you learn what you learn, what your environment has to offer and teach you. So I was just doing what my mom did and I was accumulating those habits. We always talk about genes loading the gun. And habits pulling the trigger. What were you taught growing up? And how did you eat? I mean, like, it's just wildly fascinating to look back. It wasn't until I started competing, though. I did fitness and figure at the age of 17, which reflects like that was way too young. Like, I should not have been doing it. But I didn't have anyone in my inner circle that questioned it. They were just like, oh, you're you're blonde and you're little and you're cute. Let's mold and shape you and put you on stage. And that's exactly what happened. I was introduced to a nutritionist, which reflectively his practice was appalling, you know, like applying numbers to a computer system and then getting, you know, a food list output on the back end that didn't account for my age, my body weight, body fat percentage, activity level, hormonal status, thyroid function. I mean, the biofeedback that you and I consider to be necessary in the full perspective of a protocol was never discussed. So they well, yeah, because our bodies are a calculator. You didn't know that our body. We're just a computer. Oh, it's, it's simple math, Taylor. Come on, come on. If, if input and output worked, the diet industry would have died by now. That's yeah. the way that I like to put it. Right? We like, would not be obese. No, which that's a whole nother conversation we could have. But it's interesting because I look back and I was like, okay, so fat was whittled excessively down, protein was excessively high, carbohydrates were whittled down. My periods were so severe at that point. I couldn't take a regular shit. Sorry. Like we're, just, we're here to be honest, right? I couldn't oh, I go in the bathroom 
like a normal human being. My gash was atrocious. Bloating, which I may have experienced, it was much more prominent at this point in time. You know, bloating became a normal thing. Oh, and I couldn't function in life without being stage ready, which we all know is not possible. No, not sustainable, but, but that there's so many, when I'm hearing about this, there's physiological changes happening, but, and like mental, mental and emotional, totally. Yes. Yeah. So I look back and I'm like triggering event. So I likely had things lingering below the skin surface that were just bubbling. And then I decided to compete and make all these modifications that were not in alignment with what my body actually needed. And boom, something pissed the system off. Yep. You know, and eventually that led to what was diagnosed as Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism at the ripe age of 20. Wow. With a need for a colonoscopy to only find out on the back end that I was so severely impacted. Well, no, no shit, no pun intended. I know, literally. (laughs) You know, I was so full of poo that I couldn't have normal bowel movements. It was this, and a lot of people will hopefully be able to relate to this. I'm sure you see this in practice as I do. All the time like no poo, no poo. And then all of a sudden they have excessive diarrhea. And we all know that that's just water making it through the cracks in the wall and the impacted bowels. Right. You know? So then you wonder why your periods were so horrible because all this estrogen that minimal estrogen you probably Mm -hmm. had, it just kept recirculating. Yeah. So it's interesting too, when they prepped me for my colonoscopy, I went into the center that morning and I was like, I haven't had a bowel movement since I started this prep and they wanted to send me home. And I was like, you're not sending me home. You are going to go in and digitally remove what you've asked me to take, you know? So on the back end of everything, I had a, a really good bowel movement, but it yeah. took that for them to go in and go, we need to find out what's going on, which was impaction. But then you start to go like, what's causing the impaction? Well, they don't ask that in conventional practice. They just send you with, you know, like, oh, you're, hey, you're impacted and your colon is spasming. Let me put you on a barbiturate. <laughs> Cheers, bless. You know, but in, in retrospect, I'm like, nobody asked me what my habits look like and what I had done up to that point right. in order to assess what was causing the lack of peristaltic movement, which was leading to a lot of disease in the body. Yep. So I tried out the whole pharmaceutical route for about two weeks. And the first week I was singing the praises of the gastroenterologist, like, thank you so much. I'm not bloated. I'm not gassy. I'm going to the bathroom. And then by week two, everything had reverted back to where I was. And I was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And that's when I found my first naturopath because I was like, conventional paradigm is not giving me the answers that I need. Let's try something different. And it was in working with my first naturopath that she was like, you have candida overgrowth and that's impacting your thyroid function and also causing your adrenals to over respond. So we're going to get your gastrointestinal track, you know, back on track so that we can watch everything else fall back into place too. And eventually I was able to graduate off of the Synthroid that I was on. So awesome. It was amazing. And I look back at that experience. I had a I had a client reach out because she had a doctor, PhD in the microbiome, tell her that yeast overgrowth wasn't real. I was like, what exactly did this doctor study? Like, and again, (laughs) not to mention it completely sidesteps that just because there isn't data around something, which there is, I would love for this, this doctor in particular to have a conversation with Dr. Shaw or Dr. Rollier, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Um, Go toe to toe with them, girlfriend, because I mean, they're the pioneers in exploring this. Right. 
But it's interesting to me because I look at that and I go like, that's how the conventional paradigm functions. This isn't real. This isn't real. Like overgrowth isn't real. Microbiome dysregulation isn't real. Adrenal maladaptation isn't real. You know, your thyroid's just this solo functioning entity in the body that needs medication if it's not, you know, up to par or up to speed. So, right. Hopping in with a naturopath was life-changing for me. And you'd think I had, I would have learned my lesson, right? She's the one that introduced me to stevia before stevia was a thing. You know, she's the one that introduced me to intermittent fasting. I had no idea what that was all about. She's the one that helped me walk off medication. She's the one that brought, you know, clarity to the importance of microbiome health and the yeah. overall picture of health. And then I did the dumb thing of getting breast implants at 21 because I had competed for so long that I had no breast tissue left. And that was just another triggering event. I had a lot of hard lessons that I had to learn. So lucky you learned something and now you can share. Yes. And I wouldn't be in the position that I am today without all of my personal experience, but it was Hashimoto's, which is clearly an autoimmune condition and hypothyroidism, right? Which typically go hand in hand with each other. Yep. Then I get breast implants. Do you think the surgeon ever once sat me down as part of informed consent and looking at my personalized patient profile and went, Hey, you had Hashimoto's. It's an autoimmune condition. We might want to think really hard about placing these implants because they are, they are a foreign object to the body. They do contain certain elements that could be triggering to your immune system. No, no. They just let me proceed with the $9,000 procedure. Oh, of course. You know, and I was great and it was, I was happy and I finally fit into like dresses and shirts, which I was like, oh, this is, that's why I got it. I didn't yeah. feel comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. And at 21, I was lacking the self-confidence. At 34, I'm like, great, small, you know, TTT. I'm like, great, fine. <laughs> I'm all good. They can be the size of a mosquito bite. I don't care. I love them. Yeah. Yep. You know, but at 21, I was lacking that confidence and it wasn't but a year later that I had another ex like a massive triggering event in my life where I broke off an engagement to somebody that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And that's when the Epstein bar and the chronic fatigue and the fibromyalgia came out. Again, nobody was like, Hey, you've got two foreign objects sitting in your chest cavity that we might want to remove. It was more or less like you have an overactive fork and you need to get more exercise which I'm sure a lot of people hear, right? They go in, they get the condition of Epstein-Barr virus labeled, right? And then their doctor's like, you need to eat better and move more. But like, okay, so did you ever have mono growing up or? It's interesting. Apparently I did in high school, but it wasn't one that I was excessive. It wasn't an exacerbation. I didn't know I had it. I feel like most of us at some point are exposed, but from my understanding, we get Epstein-Barr because, or like you become infected. Because of a prior... Mm-hmm. Right. It, because mm-hmm. like there's a triggering event where your immune system just kind of crashes and it's like, oh, opportunistic. Oh, your immune yes. system's down. I'm going to attack. And yep. that kind of sounds like what happened in your life. You, you know, you got these implants, everything was great. You had a really see like the traumatic event didn't necessarily mean that you got like sick. That was a mental, emotional triggering oh, yeah. and traumatic event, which look at the impact that that has on your body. Can we just bring attention to 2020 and the number of suicides and depressions and um, addictions that have taken place over the last almost 12 year or 12 month period? Like, yep. of course, our emotions are going to play a part in our overall health. And oh if my God, we yeah. choose to overlook the importance, we're never going to experience whole body health. No, the amount of people's Dutch tests that I've read in 2020 where their cortisol is off the charts. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I don't like... 
and they feel so horrible. I'm like, 2020 was an absolute roller coaster. It was a shit show. It was Mm -hmm. like, I've seen so much stress being rampant. And I even noticed it myself after my mom passed away. I didn't ovulate. I had my cycle was all messed up. And then I had to do a lot of work. Like stress impacts you, whether you want to believe it or not. And in your case, it just impacted you to the point where you, these little opportunistic. I wasn't functioning. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure this is the story of many people that you see or that I come across or that don't even know that we exist and that we can help them. You know, like I wasn't functioning. I had this, you know, highfalutin job in a hospital setting as, you know, a recent graduate and I could hardly get out of bed and my job was being threatened because I could hardly get out of bed. And I'm sure there were many people looking at me from the outside going, what is her problem? She's 24 years old. She owns a home. She has a great job. You know, she's insured, AKA the American dream, but nobody was asking the questions of like, what's going on with your mental and emotional health? Do you have anybody that's helping you navigate this? You know, is this tied to depression? Hello, we have a somatic body. We have an esoteric body. We have an etheric body. And we can't overlook the importance of nourishing and supporting that too. Totally. And I didn't know anybody. Or I had no mentors at the time to be like, hey, we need to look at your emotions too. And we need to process those emotions so you can physically move on. Because as you and I well know, emotional dis-ease ends up as physical disease. And oh, that's it does. exactly what happens. Yep. You and know? so were you not working with your naturopath at this time? No, I had moved on. I had, I had changed. Obviously, I'd moved out of... Baltimore. I was down on the Eastern shore. I had a new position and I knew after a few trips to the doctor for the same things, and I'm talking like hives from head to toe and such severe fatigue that I couldn't function and inflammation associated with exercise and irregular bowel movements. I got enough. I don't know that I was like, okay, it's time for me to find another practitioner. Now I did find a naturopath in this area but she didn't really resonate with me. So I ended up with an acupuncturist oh, that I loved. loved. Okay. They healed my hormones, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they're, they're amazing healers. And if you Google them or if you Wikipedia them, it says that it's, it's so funny how like- Pseudoscience. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I want everybody to know that the medicine that we practice in conventional paradigm today rides the coattails of that pseudoscience and rides the coattails of that pseudo quackery practice, quote unquote, right? We wouldn't have the conventional practices we have today had it not been for the pioneers in Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine and herbalism and cell salts and you name it, you know, because that's what sets the stage. Right. And doctors up until I'm not, I don't know the exact year. I don't know if it was in the 18 hundreds later on in the 1800s or the early 1900s they 1900s, were 1900s using... i think 1900s was when the rockefellers took okay, over Okay, so that's when everything started changing and then yeah. pharmaceuticals as we know them today became an industry right and doctors up to that point were using flower essence herbals distilla- distillations cell salts and when they chose to not adhere to the pharmaceutical paradigm their license was revoked we silenced those practitioners. Isn't it funny that that seems what's happening again? Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. We want to take the power out of the people's hands because the reality of it is I'm not going to save anybody and you're not going to save anybody. We're here to guide and chaperone. Yeah. It's up to somebody to take the language that their body is speaking, translate it, and then make pivots and alterations to their life in multiple capacities based on the feedback they're getting from the body. It's right. a lot easier to be guided through that. You know, that's what we're here to do, but 
it's really sad to watch what's happening in terms of silencing. In it is. Today. And, and mm-hmm. I wish that we could do it more in an integrative way. Like if I get in a car accident, I don't, I don't want anyone to sprinkle a tincture over my leg. I want to be in the emergency no. room. Like, yes. I, there's a time and a place, 180 billion percent. There's a time and a place. And I wish that it could be more of an integrative system where we all work together. Um, yeah. Cause I really truly do believe that we all have hopefully awful, like yeah, we have something to offer and we all hopefully have everybody like our patients and our clients mm-hmm. best interests in mind. I really yeah. truly hope that. So it's not like we're saying that we hate that industry. We're just saying like, we've just both had horrible experiences with it and we've seen the downfalls of it with ourselves and people we work with. And we just want there to be some change. Yeah. Well, and there has to be change, right? Because yeah. chronic disease is not the specialty of conventional medicine. We are great with acute trauma. Yep. We are like you just said, if you got in a car accident, if I was having a heart attack, last thing I would do is be running to my naturopath or my right. acupuncturist. I would help them. I would ask them for their help in the recovery yeah. phase. Like, right. please, the damage that has been done, help me recover it. Right. But in the immediate, I would need that conventional intervention. Yep. It was very yeah. important. Yeah. And I had a lot of patients. Like I had one hospital, I had a, I did a virtual consult from a hospital room. Cause one of my patients got rap or my clients got rhabdo and he's mm-hmm. like, we need to make sure this never happens again. And I was like, we're on it. This is all diet lifestyle. Like was he on statins? No, he was just like incredibly, incredibly, incredibly active in a very okay. warm environment with okay. not proper, proper mineral. But that's very interesting. I have heard that happen with statins. Oh yeah. My father was a good example of that. Like he came off of them because of the rhabdo and I'm like, well, and that ties, that kind of like closes the circle. Right. So if we can recognize that statins obviously offer the opportunity for the body to deteriorate while they're being consumed and, you know, yield an adverse event or an adverse reaction to said medication, just like Vioxx killed over 60,000 people as the FDA turned a blind eye to it until they were finally called to the carpet to do something about it and remove the prescription from the shelves, why would it be so hard for somebody to believe that a biologic, because that's what they're called based on the law that was established in 1986, giving them complete immunity to legal action. So vaccines are called biologics. Why would a biologic be any different? There's always going to be a risk and potential reward or potential risk and potential reward with any intervention, whether it's a procedure, a medication, or an injection. Everything. And And even with supplements and herbs and like acupuncture and Mm -hmm. chiropractic, like there, I always give an informed consent. I'm like, these are your risks and these are your benefits. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you think? Yep. I mean, it just, and you have to be able to explain. I'm sure you do this with your clients when somebody's like, well, why am I on this? I'd better be able to answer that question. Yep. Right. I've never had a physician tell me the why, give me an alternative, you know, to said recommendation talk about potential adverse events. I've never, ever, ever received that in a conventional setting ever. And that's a problem, right? We're putting all of our trust into these um, healthcare providers, us included, please have an open conversation on informed consent with your provider. It's really, really important. Totally. So totally. So yeah. I had, <laughs> I had breast implants placed and I had a massive <laughs> trick. Yes. Then I had a massive triggering event happen emotionally. Yeah. That's when things really started to like hit the fan. So I had obviously Epstein Barr, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia. That I just deteriorated. Then I finally found my acupuncturist. She started applying traditional um, Chinese herbs as well as acupuncture treatments. And she was like, 
I think you have Lyme disease, but Lyme was like not a thing at that point. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, how do we test for that? The Western blot is so full of error when it oh. comes to identifying Lyme that I never actually tested positive. What we're really coming to learn is that connective tissue disease and we should be using provocation, but what's available to most people is blood-based testing and Igenix right. is an out-of-pocket, very expensive test that I did end up running eventually. It, you did. I was going to say that's an expensive one. And you know, what's so interesting is like, I was learning when we went to a functional medicine doctor with my mom, she was like, did you know that breast cancer can be linked to, to Lyme? And I'm like, no, I did not know that. Why is my mold decline? Um, (laughs) yeah. And mold. Right. So it's like, Whoa, all these different things. But she Mm -hmm. did say like, you know, it might not show up positive on, on this, but you know, this is what we can do in the future. I mean, and then have you ever read the book, why we get sick or not why we get sick? Um, how I can feel better. No. Um, it's all about chronic Lyme. Okay. I did write, um, I watched under your skin and then I watched the second part of that document or documentary series. I was so pissed by the end of the first movie. I was like, it, what, essentially what we've come to find is, is Lyme is by a warfare utilized by the government. Lyme diseases. Yes. Yeah. Really? Yep. You know, so and we is, had this spike. How did you contract it? Contract it? Well, I'm on the Eastern shore. Accord- and supposedly it's, you know, only passed on by ticks. But the reality of it is there's mosquitoes, there's birds. There's, I'm not convinced that it's just one manner of being passed on, right? Totally. So I'm sure I got bit. I have dogs and some, yep. I never had a bullseye either. Like I never had a rash. That's crazy. You know, what's crazy is the other day I was, I put on probably about a month ago, I was putting on a pair of leggings that Mm -hmm. I usually wear these leggings when I'm hiking on the inside, there was a tick engorged Mm -hmm. in my pant. And I'm like, it was November at this point. These had been through the wash, but they were engorged. And I was like, oh my God, like I could have very well gotten bit. You know what I mean? It just, it's so crazy. I mean, Lyme is a whole nother conversation. So you you ended up testing positive Positive for Lyme. Well, it's interesting. They ran the Western blot. I through a positive for band 41, which in conventional medicine, they're never going to take that as a positive. And I was like, I've had enough issues at this point and my acupuncturist has gotten me so far. Right. And now we're getting the testing that I was like, I'm running with the 41. Yeah. So I found a Lyme literate doctor who are, who also practiced functional medicine three hours from home, no less, because at this point I couldn't, my neurological function was shot. Yeah. I was a single mom. Okay. I had been through pregnancy and delivering him via C-section. I was obviously very adrenally fatigued as a new mom. So that was part of the perspective that we had, or the equation that we had to take into consideration. But even with such severe fatigue and an excessively stressful work environment, no less, I was like, I can't walk. Like I used to throw my legs over the bed in the morning and I had to wait. I had to wait for my feet to warm up. They would literally claw on me. Oh my gosh. Yes. And it wasn't until like I had gotten the pins and needles and they unclawed that I could walk. And I was like, my neurological function is deteriorating. I can't remember details to a conversation that I have. I can't find words in the middle of speaking a sentence. I don't remember where I put my keys and they're in my coat pocket. Did I lock my door? I would like come back to the door three or four times before I could get in my car and drive away from my home because I would forget. And you're a new mom. Think about like, there was just so much going on. Yes. So like, it was the identification of the line that really 
it, it falls into that whole, like I needed a diagnosis to set me free, but I had gotten so many like, okay, yeah, you, I was diagnosed with celiac at that point in time too. So I was like, okay, here's part of the equation that I can tangibly understand and deal with. Mm-hmm. And then the Lyme, I don't know what's tangible about Lyme because it's a very difficult disease state to understand, It is. but I was like, okay, we have something to work with here. And it wasn't until the end of my time in working with my functional practitioner who changed my life. But, but what I have to remind myself was he was conventionally trained and then he moved on to functional training. So his approach is always going to be different than say your approach or my approach too. Yep. Yep. Right. So he got me to a point of feeling really well. I was put on three different antibiotics for nine and a half months. Triple cocktail. I remember, I remember (sighs) reading about that. It was so terrible. So I was like, and it got to the point where my body was like, I'm done with them. It was rejecting the medication. Thank God I have enough self-awareness to go, okay, we're done. Cause I could have very easily continued on ignoring those signs and symptoms that it was time for me to retreat from antibiotics and start really taking care of the mitochondrial damage that we had created. Right. Yep. (laughs) Which is another part of it. And at the end of that, I was like, can you please test my gut function? Right. And can you please look for mold? Because I had done enough research at this point that I was like, I can't order these tests yet. This is what led me to being able to order these in practice. I was always the experiment first. I will always be the experiment first. I love that's what you said. You, like in your podcast, you were like, I literally will never ask someone to do mm-hmm. something I haven't done. And girl, you have been through the freaking ringer. Mm-hmm. So there is no way that you are asking people to do things that you haven't done. And I'll do it two or three times. I understand bioindividuality. I get that people respond to things differently, but I want to know from personal experience how I'm going to respond and react to something so that in practice, as the practitioner guiding, I have an idea of what that person's experiencing. That's really yep. important. Totally. So he ran the organic acids test and he ran the mold test. And thank God I pressed for the mycotox profile because the oats test just showed mild elevations of arabinose and C. diff. And we know the C. diff was likely tied to the extensive antibiotic use. Right. Right. And the arabinose, we can assume that that's associated with candida. Right. right. Arabitol being, you know, processed through the liver, we eventually yield arabinose. But it was the mycotox profile that we were both like, oh my God. Literally, aspergillus, penicillin, fusarium, citrinin. I had every type of mold species or mycotoxin outside of what's called keto A and stachybotrys, which oh. is the type of black mold that would kill somebody. That I had hit the jackpot. I was like, this is what's been wrong the whole time. My doctor was like, I'm really surprised you're functioning the way that you're functioning. Barely. Because this is bad. Wow. So it was through running these tests that so many people question, like, do I have to test? Yes. Emphatically, yes. Because if you don't have any test results on hand, you have no direction as to where to go. Yeah. And you need that direction to properly support your body. So it was through running those tests that we came to the conclusion that, as icing on the cake, I had a hefty dose of mold too. So, and that's where the work really started because I had gotten 75% better, but it was like that last, you know, 25% that I was like, what is hindering my forward moving progress? And in this time frame too, I had gotten my implants removed. They were okay. in, they were a part of the family for eight years, you know, and by the time I was like making progress, but I was still having random rashes and you know, joint pain and swelling in certain places. I was like, they got to go. Like, I, I don't want to keep them. So I had the bicapsulectomy, 65% of the capsule was removed. 
I definitely had some detoxing to do around that because you're absorbing anything that's degrading in that chest cavity, right? But nothing had been found in my lymph, thank Good. God. Good. Yeah. So, I mean, there had been a lot of steps to where I had identified, you know, implemented steps implemented to identifying what the underlying issues were and what I actually needed to do to get better. So many people think that it's just like, oh, I do a protocol and I'm better. And I'm like, no, this is a full life overhaul. Totally. Yeah. That's so, oh my, like, so then at this point, what, were you kind of researching along the way? Like, what were you doing in terms of like helping other people or stepping into kind of like what you do so now? I stayed in the hospital for a long time because as a single mom who was in school, I was in school to get my certifications to work in this uh, field. I needed a source of income. So totally. I was in school while pregnant. And then I continued my education until I was like, okay, I have all the certs that I need to start stepping into practice that I feel comfortable with. I was probably prepared well before I thought I was prepared. Uh, yeah, I would yeah. say so. <laughs> but you know, like I, I continued to work in the hospital in different facets so that I could identify gaps in care. Mm-hmm. And so that I could identify trends in insurance and so that I could identify what the coding was doing, right? I wanted to know all of those pieces because when I sat down with somebody, I wanted to be able to be like, okay, this is what I know is going on in conventional practice. This is what I know you're probably getting. This is what I know you're not getting. And this is where I can fill in those gaps. So yep. I wanted that ability. And that's what I was able to ascertain in working in the hospital. So I finished my formal schooling two years ago. And we, you know how this is, you never stop learning. No. Like I just finished a course on mold literacy. I just finished another out like, you know, herbalism course. So, so you never cool. stop learning. No, like I, no. And, and I, I feel, I feel a, a extreme like urgency to constantly be doing it. Like uh-huh. at least, I mean, a little bit every day, I definitely try to read research and whatnot, mm-hmm. but like at least one day a week, like sitting down and it's, it's just continuing There's my so education much to explore. I know know? it's, but that's, I think the beautiful part about it is I'm not, I want to learn the most that I can. And I'm learning so much, just even sitting here talking with you, like, this is all just, I always learn so much from you though, but this is so eye-opening, like all of this and all of the things that you had done. And like you said, it literally started from no fault of your parents, Mm -hmm. no fault, but like, it's like, that's when so much of this starts. Like I, when I'm talking with people and we're going over gut health, like we, I was just talking to some girl the other day and she's I was like, were you on antibiotics a lot as a kid? And she's like, oh my God. She said, yeah, "Yeah, I was all the time. She's like, no one's ever brought that up. I'm like, so much of what happens to us as children can manifest down the road. Well, in functional and integrative health, we look through the lens of not treating the body and the person based on habits today. Obviously that's an important part and consideration, but the prior 15 years, yep right? We have a barrel. Is the barrel full? Is there a hole in the barrel? Is it overflowing? Like, or is there a nice balance of fluid in the barrel? Most people aren't balanced, No, you know, and sharing our stories is a really important piece to normalizing this. It's okay to say, I'm not getting what I need here. You're not vilifying your healthcare practitioner. You're just identifying a personal need. It's just like us sitting here and unemotionally having the conversation about my personal experience with a biologic, that's not either one of us saying, if you've done your research and you've looked at both sides of the equation and you feel it is in your best interest to move forward with vaccinating yourself or your children, I love you and I support you. Yeah. I just want you to do it from an informed place. And that's totally. with anything. 
you know, with, literally with anything, anything, whether it's working with me or working with your chiropractor or working with an acupuncturist, sit down, have a conversation, ask questions. Who you are today is important, but the entire picture of who you once were and how you got to who you are today is equally as important in determining your plan of care. Totally. People always ask me, they're like, oh, it must be just so easy for you. You're so healthy. I'm like, this is a journey. Like I was a vaginal delivery, but I was, I was bottle fed. And you know what? A lot of formulas are filled with vegetable oils and you guys know how much I I talk about those. And this is no fault to my parents. Like Mm -mm. I just now I'm stepping into a place where I'm going to be so much more educated than I was previously, or my parents were previously so that I don't make these necessary, not mistakes. I hate that word, but you know what I mean? We're opening up the conversation. We fail forward. Better. Yeah. Fail forward. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, I was on antibiotics as a kid and I was on birth control and all these different things. And there were a few biologics that I don't quite know if they were that great, you know, and yeah, I'm learning from it and I'm healing and I'm here now. And healing is a journey. Like you said, like you don't, just because you went through all that doesn't mean that you just go back to a lifestyle. I don't get to relax in like poor habits. Right. Right. Those habits will take me right back to the place that I started. Right. But once you've experienced the rub, right. I say none of our pain is ever in vain. Mm-hmm. And once you've experienced the rub, once you know what it's like to not be able to use your faculties, once you know what it's like to sit in a conversation and be completely, you know, replete of the memory of what you are going to say next, you never want to go back to that place. And you want to serve as an example through personal experience to prevent people from getting to that point. Now, does that work with everybody? No. But that's my intention to show up and say, hey, this was my experience and it, yours might be similar. But you don't have to, it doesn't have to get that bad. Yeah. You know, people like you and I are in practice to prevent the extended journey, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, we don't, you don't always have to take the scenic route. You know, right. sometimes it's nice to go the, you know, easy route from A to B and be guided. There's no shame in that. It doesn't mean that it's going to be any less impactful on you moving forward in regards to sharing your experience with other people. Totally. So Brownie points for more suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I, I, I seriously could sit here and talk with you all freaking day long. Um, (laughs) I seriously love you and appreciate you so much. This was amazing. I really think that guys, we can do another two hours, but I know we'll we'll save you on that. (laughs) We'll, we'll probably most likely for sure bring you back on one of these days, but tell people where they can find you, tell them about your podcast, like how they can dive into all this stuff that you do. Because like, like me, you know, you put out a ton of amazing of information content. for free. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, so much work. But Guys, we could talk about that too. And the importance of, you know, taking that free content and applying it to your personal life. And then realizing that there's, there's a certain degree of magic in investing in your health. Totally. So, I mean, I'm sure you did it. I was a keyboard warrior for a long time. I like to research. I like to experiment on myself, but I definitely got to my own, you know, personal conclusion, or I came to my own conclusion that I couldn't do it alone. I still don't do it alone. I still have a practitioner for objectivity. I can read all my labs, but there's still a degree of emotion and uncertainty when it comes to myself. So I I work with a practitioner to provide objectivity. They always give me something that I didn't see. Oh, always. And like this conversation, you know, Mm -hmm. we're, we're on the same page with so many things, but you've brought in so many things to my attention that I'm like, Oh, I wouldn't have looked at it that way. I think it's really important to I think it's really important, like you said, to invest in yourself. And I know that we've talked a lot about, we don't really 
we don't feel is that that's an expense. Like I know you do like a lot of body work and a lot of like mm-hmm. mind body and like, I don't feel bad going to the acupuncturist and I don't feel nope. bad getting like healthy regenerative food for our table because mm-hmm. like, I don't even see that as an expense to be honest. With you. That is a an necessity. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yep. And you know, I, I think you pay for it now or you pay for it later. I've already paid for it in the later sense really early on. And like, I have no interest in paying for it later. Nope. Especially, you know, you're a mama and mm-hmm. like, I, I think that that all of that is definitely. I mean, we can talk about how pregnancy suppresses the immune system. I felt the best I ever felt in my life while I was pregnant. Really? Because of all because your it- autoimmunity. Yeah, like it's it silences it, it quiets it down. That's a really wild topic to d- to dive into too. But sorry, see, we're going off topic again. <laughs> we're really good with this. So people can find me at Tailored Wellbeing on Instagram. I'm really active on Instagram. I have a Facebook, but I very rarely get on my Facebook. I know. Yeah, I haven't seen you on there in a while. No, I, I just like transpose. Much. You know. So Instagram is where you can find me. I do have a podcast called Tailored Talks that recently launched. So I am good. just in the beginning stages of recording. Uh, and that's, that was a platform for me to connect with people. So I could talk about things without being censored because Instagram loves to shadow ban my account. Um, because you talk about things that need to be spoken about, but they don't necessarily fall within the parameters of what's generally accepted by a narrative that's being pushed. And I'm also not afraid to say that. Right. (laughs) Oh my God. You're freaking awesome. I love you, girl. Well, thank you so much. Go follow having me. Oh my God. You'll be on again. 180%. And then I'm going to have you over to my side of, you know, like the core. We'll have a conversation on my podcast too. So I'm, I'm here for it. Yes. I'm so here for it. Well, thank you, Taylor. So if that wasn't an incredible, empowering conversation about how the body can heal itself, I really don't know what is. I I really just love having these guests on because, I mean, I know Taylor and I didn't know the extent of all that. I learned so much on that conversation just about her journey, how she healed, how all that she went through. And there's so many different places that we could have went and continued to dive into. And I most certainly will probably have her back on the podcast again for a later date because... I really just, I so appreciate her and her knowledge and all that she can bring to the table. And we really just are on a mission to teach people and help people understand their bodies better so that they can reach optimal health and love the body that they're in and feel their absolute best. And that's, we both really share the same mission in that aspect. And I just love today's podcast. Um, so I wanted to do something special. I wanted to, um, one, start reading some reviews from the podcast. And so I'm going to pull up one or I have one pulled up right here and I want to read it because I really just want to say thank you and give you guys a shout out for taking the time to review my podcast because I, one, I know that it takes time to go and review podcasts, but the words that come from these, these reviews seriously mean so much you guys. So, um, this is from Kathleen, 
Um, heard this podcast from Unlock the Sugar Shackles and so glad I did. Dr. Schaff reiterates everything I've learned. She puts in such simple everyday terms. Her passion for living a healthy lifestyle and excitement for sharing makes the podcast so much more enjoyable to listen to. Titled Wealth of Information, five stars. Thank you so much, Kathleen. That means so much. And it's so funny that you mentioned that podcast because I was on Unlock the Sugar Shackles with my friend Danielle. Um, and Danielle was also on our show. So um, I think it's just so cool how all, all of us in the space, we kind of find each other and we're able to to be on each other's platforms and really learn from each other. So I'm so grateful that you found me from her. Um, and I'm also so grateful that you left that really, really awesome and nice review Honestly, reviews are really the main way that we can help push the podcast out to more ears because the more reviews, the more five stars, the more that this the podcast will be pushed to people and trending upward. So if you guys enjoyed something in today's episode, let me know what it was. Leave a, re- re- leave a review, leave five stars. But I also love that she mentioned the passion because I know I was talking about that in the beginning of this podcast where as an Enneagram 8, we are very passionate. We're we are very good at advocating for others because we are we need there to be justice and just within the healthcare module and the healthcare like world there's just not um, people do not get proper informed consent people don't get the healthcare that they deserve because we're not getting preventative health we're getting reactive and obviously that's a huge reason I do what I do um, so I love that you guys can hear my passion for this it's it's personal on so many levels it's personal for my own journey it's personal for my clients and patients journeys that hearing their stories. It's personal from like my mom's journey and other family experiences. Like my dad was just telling me the other day that his, his doctor told him, um, to, to stop eating fat because, um, his LDL was like slightly high, not, not even really high. And I could get into an LDL conversation and LDL is really not the bad guy. The more dietary fat you eat, the more it's going to be because it needs to be carried to the body. We're more concerned with triglycerides and the HDL to LDL ratio, but I digress. Um, But his doctor, as he was saying, was also probably 50 to 60 pounds overweight. So I don't think that she should be giving health advice to anybody, um, probably because she hasn't gotten much herself, but just another instance of the lack of education in our health system. Yay. Awesome. So I'm glad that you guys can hear that passion when I'm sharing stuff like this, because it really does mean so much to me. And I do want to leave you guys with one thing. I am going to offer a discount for my online hormone course, because you know that I'm so passionate about helping people. So you can use code podcast at checkout to get a discount on my online hormone course. The link for that will be in the show notes. And the discount code again is podcast, all capital letters, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And you can get a hefty discount on my online hormone course. Um, just as saying thank you to you guys, thank you to you guys for your support, for sharing this episode, for sharing the podcast, for writing a review, for just being you and really helping me get this message out. So I really wanted to do something to give back. And my, my hormone course is my baby. It's something I'm really proud of. It's something that I'm going to continue putting out educational content that's easy, digestible, not hours and hours and hours worth of content so that you can absorb it and really go out and start practicing it. And that's exactly what it is. The course is under two hours of content. There's tons of resources. There's discount codes for working with me one-on-one. There's tons of different slides. So you can save everything. You can always go back to it. You have lifetime access. Um, So I definitely see myself making a lot more educational content that way because it's just something that you can throw it on when you're in the car. You can throw it on when you're doing stuff around the house. and Or you can throw it on when you've got like an hour and you want to just sit down and take a lot of notes. So there's a lot of 
diversity to it. Um, and it really is just teaching you so much, uh, on things that otherwise we're probably not getting. So thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you guys next week. Woo! Hey.